Before we start the show, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Their support keeps this show free for you. Have you tried Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals? Yes, you heard me. No cooking, no prepping, and no cleanup, making eating better every day easy. These no-prep, no-mess meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with ready-to-eat, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. There are 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. Plus, there are over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Ditch the meal prep today. Get started and have a week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash piece50 and use code piece50 to get 50% off. That's code piece50 at factormeals.com slash piece50 to get 50% off. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood, yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I have a lovely guest, Julian here, who's going to tell us his story of the cost of success, which really, um, it's an interesting story. I heard him for the first time on TikTok, I believe, and I was immediately drawn to how incredibly insightful he was about his own story and just how incredible his story was. So welcome to the podcast, Julian. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Michelle. Happy to be here. So tell us, tell us who you are. And then tell us what your story is and why you, you know, why you're on Instagram and, and TikTok and what are your, what the, what's the message you're spreading and how you got there? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to give you the, the, the sort of short version and we can dive into, you know, specific areas because of course my life is a little bit long. I'm not super old, but it can be windy. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the short version is I've always been the model student. I graduated high school as valedictorian. I went on to UC Berkeley, graduated in three years, was accepted into NYU School of Law when I was 20 years old. Did very well my first year. I applied to transfer to Harvard and Stanford, was accepted into both. I had internships in the meantime in undergrad at law firms in the White House. And I graduated Harvard Law School 24. I have my dream job working at a big law firm in Silicon Valley. And I do that for a couple of years before leaving uh, about a year ago uh, next month. And at this point, I'll kind of pause and talk about the other side, you know, because the, the, the star-studded resume is certainly something to look at. Uh, but there was a lot of struggle. Uh, yeah. throughout the years and in that time to get to where I got. It started in high school with stomach aches induced from stress of SAT prep and overworking and not sleeping enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, in college, I didn't really know what social anxiety or even anxiety was. Uh, I'm born in 94. I don't think that my generation, sort of the, the younger millennials uh, and certainly the older ones as well, we didn't really learn about mental health at yeah. all. <laughs> Like, yeah, never really mentioned. Things. And so, yeah, uh, you know, I go into college and I don't really realize that I'm incredibly anxious around other people and kind of trapped in my own head. But I focus on the work. Right. And I grind it out and I get really good grades. And so the system is telling me you're doing everything right. Keep it up. My grandmother passed away 
right before my last year of college and I really did not know how to process the grief well. And this led to a couple of things. Panic attacks began hyperventilating. And at the end of my college career, I started having this sensation like I was basically going to throw up mm-hmm. and nothing would come out. And it just sort of took over my life. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't eat as much anymore. I couldn't even like hold a conversation well. And I had an endoscopy done. I went under medical procedures all to figure out what's going on, what's going on every single time. Oh, you seem basically healthy. We don't nobody ever nobody ever said, Are you stressed? (laughs) You know, so so I fully accept that there were some people that that said, Are you sure it's not stress? Or maybe you're stressed out. But at the time, and this is part of what's so complicated with mental health it was before my law school career had started and I had nothing to do. Like for the first time I was literally like purely on break playing video games every day, doing whatever I wanted. And I would always just write it off. Like there's no way I'm stressed. That doesn't right. make any sense. Like I've worked like 70 hour weeks at the white house and taking classes and studying for the LSAT. Like looking back, obviously that's not exactly how stress works. <laughs> and, you know, I think like uh, about to move across the country and do long distance with my then girlfriend, now fiance, there was a lot of stress. It's just not the type of stress that I was used to. Yeah. Uh, but in any event, some people did mention it, but we still went ahead with all the procedures to figure out what's wrong with my quote unquote stomach. Right. Uh, five years ago by, and essentially I, I have this sort of sensation under control managed for the most part. It starts coming back again when I'm working at uh, my law firm during my first year. And it was at that point that I kind of really internalized the fact that this may not be something physiological here, it is purely probably something that's related to stress management and my ability to weather all the various things that I'm tackling at the same time. Spoke with a doctor who suggested maybe we do another endoscopy. I looked back and I'm like, I know exactly how this is going to end. Like I've been here before. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I have no idea what this means, but I'm going to explore mental health and see what happens. And um, the doctor, I remember, told me, you know, a lot of my patients, when they have issues like this, they don't know where they're coming from. When they say that it may just be caused by some sort of mental health or in their own control, sometimes the issues just go away. And so to my benefit, magically, after I sort of accepted stress is affecting me this way, let me learn about it. Let me read some books about it. Let me like actually practice some of these skills, uh, you know, meditation, taking breaks, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, the big one for me was just getting over the denial that right. it was stress creating it. Uh, it went away. Then the pandemic hit and things got much worse, unfortunately. So uh, while I had that issue under control, you know, I was completely isolated during the pandemic. I was working remote in big law, which is demanding a lot of hours. You know, you're always on call. Uh, my fiance and I were trying to be role models for lack of a better word by way of like not hanging out with friends and like really hunkering down during COVID. And so I basically didn't see human being for like months on end. And I didn't even leave my apartment for at some points for, you know, two to three yeah. weeks at a time. We would have groceries delivered and all of which is to say, none of this is, is, a, is a good combination for mental health. Yeah. And during that fall of 2020, watched the world kind of turn gray and I became mildly depressed. Mm-hmm. Felt like I had no control over my ability to decision make or even like manage how I feel at all. Yeah. And I went into the medical system and I basically said, okay, let's whatever mental health is going to give me, like I'm sending it like yeah. every questionnaire, like, like help me. Cause I'm lost Yeah. and got the diagnosis of mild depression and severe anxiety. Since then it's been a battle for sure. In a lot of different ways. Uh, learning to manage it and of course advocating for the same. And so you fast forward after the diagnosis about seven months and I quit my job uh, with nothing lined up uh, at my firm. Good for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, To to focus mental health and, uh, and to quote unquote, explore my interests uh, is what I I told my firm. I was very open with them. 
And, um, you know, how do you now, know your interests when you've been like on this road of right. just, well, and that's, that's part of why I said explore. Cause who knows? Right. And, right. Uh, you know, one thing led to another, I basically, as soon as I quit and it's ironic because I quit focus mental health and I really have not taken a break. Yeah. Uh, but I, I very quickly saw that, um, I think the world needs some leadership in this area right now by way of mental health and just compassion and talking about the subject and opening up the conversation. Because I feel like a lot of people don't even know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's part of the problem. Uh, and so I've, I've gone on basically a tear of advocating for mental health anywhere I can, which led me to social media, which I had not previously used at all, uh, mm-hmm. really. But, you know, one thing led to another. I will go from LinkedIn to Instagram, Instagram to TikTok. And uh, since then, I've just been focused on building a community, you know, both on TikTok and Instagram and through social media, like on Discord, we have a community mm-hmm. uh, that's just, again, focused on mentorship and discussing mental health with compassion and helping any way I can, essentially. Amazing. You've got a good story. <laughs> Thank you. So what do you think, what was your drive back then, back in high school, back even before all this started, what drove you to want to be uber successful at, at all costs? Yeah, it's, it's complicated. I, uh, so I'm a child of immigrants. Mother is Vietnamese refugee. Father is Armenian descent from France. They are not tiger parents at all. Mm-hmm. Like contrary to what many people I think think when they hear my story, they're like, Oh, Asian parent, like automatically this, it's like, yeah. no, that's actually, first of all, it's a harmful stereotype. I'll put that aside. Like, that's not at all the case. My parents were always the first ones to tell me, uh, if you get a C like, and you tried your best, that's all you can ask for. Like just yeah. try your best. Uh, but I really do think that I internalized a lot of the strife that I understood and felt from my grandparents' generation and my parents' generation, just seeing mm-hmm. firsthand how much they struggled yeah. uh, to survive, right? And, and how I was raised in Folsom, California, which is this colloquial suburb bubble mm-hmm. uh, with an air-conditioned car, right? And I hear about my parents, the stories of my dad living in the back of a store and my mom not having seen glasses until she was 18. and you know, part of me always felt like if anyone could do it, it's me, <laughs> like whatever yeah. it is. And with everything that the, the, the elder generations have done for me, I owe it, if nothing else, to them to at least try my hardest. Uh, and so I think the immigrant mindset is certainly a large component and a large factor. But I will say so, too, is just the simple competitiveness of I want to compete. And this well, is, I guess, the way we compete in our world, right? Well, it's, I think that's it. Like society says, you have to have an education. If there's a stellar right. education, you have to do all these things. And we all get so sucked in as parents, as, as kids, as whatever, that if we don't have yeah. that, somehow we're less than. Yeah. Yes. I fully agree. And I, to be clear, I think it's not going to be possible because I've had a lot of conversations with folks about this, especially parents who talk about like, can we rewire this? Can we like can we like instead say like, that's not the goal. This is the goal. And I really don't like realistically. And I say this cause like I was just there, like kids are not going to listen to that type of narrative. Right. Like I heard it like, Oh, don't chase money or success. Like try to just be happy, but it just goes in one ear out the other a lot of the time because the entire system yeah. is just predisposed and built on this. It's like, you're, you're really fighting a really strong narrative. Instead, what I try to tell kids and you know, folks in general is it's not mutually exclusive to be successful and manage your mental health appropriately. That's also a false narrative, right? And the earlier you learn how to manage your mental health and understand it and, you know, learn the tools that work for you and then implement them and build that, that discipline, the less work it'll be in the long term. I have to do this, you know, colossal level of work now because I'm 28 and I have been, you know, seeing these thought patterns and just letting them run my life for like 20 years. Yeah. But if you're 17 and you have the ability to like understand at that age, like, oh, that's anxiety. How do we manage it? Oh, let's do this instead. Let's try this. That's huge. You know, yeah. you, you can't, the, the, the compounding benefits of that over time is, is, is incredible. 
Well, I think also as a 17 year old, do you even recognize that, you know, because that's, it's very difficult to pinpoint where your stressors are coming from. If it is stress, if it is physiological, where, where is it coming from? And, and to identify it as a, as a kid with a, you know, underdeveloped brain is, is hard. It's listen, it's, it's hard. I will say the thing I'm grateful for today is that you have more resources and more conversations about this than ever before, right? Because when I was 17 on Facebook, it was back when I actually liked Facebook. It was just me and like my high school friends and just talking. But there were no like Instagram pages with like a bunch yeah. of pretty graphics showing me what anxiety is, right? Yeah. Like therapists on TikTok and people like me just yelling into the ether. Like that was, was not a thing. Yeah. Um, so I think if nothing else, at least this generation is aware of it. And hopefully the folks who want to manage it can, you know, learn that at an earlier age. And that's definitely what I encourage. Yeah. And I think too, there's this whole, you know, there's a big movement to homeschooling. I have a lot of homeschooling folks in my community and in communities around me, but that, that idea is actually quite lovely and to get kids out of the system and into their homes where they're able to do experiential learning and, and figure out what their interests are and not just, you know, learn trigonometry just because, and that, you know, our education system is so antiquated. Yes. And definitely needs revamping. Yes, for sure. Yes. And kids on this competitive, you know, the notion that competitiveness is okay. What will you, uh, what will you do differently when, when, and if you have kids, what would you, what are you going to do to help them understand their own mental health? Yeah. Educate. Yeah. Educate, educate, educate. Like I, I truly believe that like 90% of mental health is learning and education. A lot of it is getting over the stubbornness that a lot of us have towards the subject and towards different things that we may not want to accept because of the stigma. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I'm going to take the same philosophy that my parents gave to me, which is try your best. Like there's no such thing as like, this is literally what they told me, even though I'm like the quintessential, whatever, whatever. like there's no such thing as that type of success. You need to just be happy. At the same time, I'm going to tell them, this is what happened to me. This is what severe anxiety looks like. This is what depression looks like. This is, these are things that could make your mental health worse or better. What does mental health mean? Let's talk about it. Like let's create the concept from an early age. Let's understand it. Let's talk about why we communicate in this way versus this way. Let's understand what boundaries are. Just all of the various layers and and nuances of of education are the things that I'm going to be focused on. And now having been through, you know, now you're having, you know, a a law degree and gone to the top top schools in the United States, would you do it again? (laughs) Would you, would you, you know, create the same narrative for yourself? just with a, a, a nuanced, like understanding of yourself, or would you just say, screw it? I'm going <laughs> to, <sighs> I think it surprises most people when I would say I would do the exact same thing again, but while managing my mental health. And yeah. like, again, this, it's not to say that I got to the top and I quit because it's all a lie. It's certainly not a lie. The money was real. The success is real. The name right. brand is real. All of these things are real. The power that the, the, the name of the degree confers, whether I want that to be the case or not, is real, but so was the suffering. And so like, I want, the benefits. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, so if I were to redo it, yes. Yeah, so, and maybe, maybe that means that I wouldn't have done as well and wouldn't have gotten into Harvard or whatever. And that's fine. I would take that trade because I know that I would have been happier the whole time and just better managing, you know, my mental. Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. 
We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family, and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. Go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. And what's the culture like in these competitive schools and, you know, getting an advanced degree and tell us what it's like to be in that. Yeah. So at Berkeley, I can say, and I went to Berkeley for undergrads, I can't comment on the law school, but ironically, you're sort of on your own. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're in a class of 10,000 ish, maybe six to 8,000 call it uh, students. And everybody is very smart. Everybody is very driven. The people who I think thrive are the ones who are more self-sufficient and independent, who know how to like manage their schedule and like effectively study and whatnot. I will say as an institution, Berkeley didn't hardly did anything by way of mental health in general. Again, like, and I, I, I blame just the culture broadly, not necessarily Berkeley specifically, right? Like uh, we may have had one or two seminars on mental health at the beginning of orientation, but that was basically it. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else really discussed. We didn't have classes on it. Uh, Harvard, I would say was pretty similar actually. We had a couple of sort of conversations about it, but we actually even, you know, this, this goes to show how out of touch I think the institutions are. We had a, a classmate of mine that we lost mental health uh, when I was there and the school didn't really do much <laughs> to sort of placate the students or like help. It was kind of like, okay, here's a couple of emails about like grief counseling. Uh, by the way, admitted students are coming next weekend and we really want to wow them. So like, let's make sure we put on a really big smile. Like, okay, that's a little tone deaf, but whatever. And then the entire next year was spent at the school, quote unquote, undertaking a mental health survey. Uh, That was the first step that the school was taking is let's do a survey to understand like what's going on. It's like, yeah, you need a year to do a year long survey. You need a year to do like a Google poll, dude. Like, uh, (laughs) I could have told told you the law students are anxious and depressed. You could just ask me. But in any event, I get it. Like bureaucracies and schools and institutions move slowly, right? That is all fair. But the harm that is being created and caused by the fact that these systems have not changed is also very real. And I care more about that harm than about some inefficient system. And so uh, certainly, you know, the the atmosphere can be competitive and whatnot and and the schools should do more. Yeah. It's so sad. I feel like these kids, I mean, how can you know how to manage your feelings and know how to work that hard? And it just, it feels too adult at that age. It just feels too big for them too hard. And I, and I think it's, it's, complicated because we don't really have role models for this. Yeah. We, we don't like the, the, the conversation has been, I think the only thing worse than having a toxic conversation about a subject is having no conversation at all. Mm-hmm. And that's very much how I feel that mental health is in our world. Mm-hmm. It's been stigmatized for so long that no one has even spoken about it. And because of that, we have this collective avoidance of the topic entirely because everyone becomes uncomfortable when it comes up for the most part, not everyone, of course, but many people will become uncomfortable because they don't know how to talk about it in a way you know, that's compassionate or they don't know if what they're going to say is right or wrong, quote unquote. And so I don't think that helps because no. it's not as easy, you know, for kids to look up and learn and understand and, and get taught implicitly when conversations just aren't happening. And I think too, for, for my audience, for parents out there, they, they really do believe like if my child doesn't get these grades and if they don't succeed, if they don't get to college, if they don't, you know, go to the four-year university right away, if they don't do all these things that your society tells us that they have to do that somehow they believe they've failed. And so they can't manage the failure. If that were to happen, if their kid goes to community college or for God forbid, doesn't go to college at all, that somehow they have not done their job 
so I, I can understand, first of all, let me say, I can empathize with the self-judgment, right? To the extent I do not have kids, but I can understand why you would feel that way. That, yeah. that, that you know, you, you want your child to, to like sort of be the idea or the ideal, et cetera, et cetera, of, of what success means in our world at the same time. And I, this is, this is one of the bridge. I'm sure your, your, your folks have heard this before. It's like, there's many ways to be successful. Right. And like, let me tell you as someone who is a very high achiever, and who's been in the trenches, right? And who speaks openly about it, which is pretty rare in my opinion. The folks at the top most often are suffering the most. Yeah. And this 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 goes for the top lawyers across the world mm-hmm. in the US. It goes for the venture capitalists in Silicon Valley, the CEOs who are billionaires. Like, there's no secret here. I've I've spoken with this person reached out to me, a a renowned VC and, and, and billionaire, and he was they were referring to. Uh, they were having some mental health issues and I was talking to them through like, okay, like, listen, I, you know, I'm a guy, but he, like, here's, here's what I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe this is helpful. And the response I got was essentially like, you know, therapy doesn't do anything. Therapy's useless. Like I don't need, I don't need a quote unquote girlfriend. That's a waste of my time. And it just goes to show you like, yeah. <laughs> I say all of this only to make the broader point that like those things that we define as success most often relate to like survivability which is money. And, and that's okay. And I understand that, but folks should also remember that there are many ways in today's world to attain survivability without getting the A plus and the super, super. Well, fancy. there's so many creatives these days, like, and, and mm-hmm. many of which don't have degrees or have degrees that are, you know, basic degrees that are not advanced or the top of and do extremely well. So money can be cultivated. And I think that's where our society is so antiquated. Like it used to be, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer, or you have to be, you know, well-educated in your field, or you're never going to make money. And I just, it's not that, that's not the way anymore. No, not at all. I mean, look at, look at, uh, Charlie D'Amelio, 17 year old dancing in her bedroom. Yeah. And we are living in a world where that can create a hundred million dollars plus of wealth, right? Like, and, and you, you take that and you multiply it across everybody else who makes a living doing content creation. I do that part-time. That's one of the, one of my revenue streams, right? As a content creator. I mean, it, the world is changing. The world has always been changing, but certainly now more than ever, the ability to make a living and survive is, is the bar is lower quote unquote than it ever has been. And the, yeah. and the requirement for having any specific degree is lower than it ever has. Been. Yeah. Here in Los Angeles, we have a lot of kids who don't go to college and do extremely well because the, you know, we're full of city of creatives and, and they end up entering the music industry, even if it's on the business side and they never need a degree around that, or they end up being, you know, directors or you know, work in television or whatever, and they do really well. And I feel that they're happy because they've found a passion. And I think that's also what's lacking in our world too, is like, what are uh, my daughter's 16? And I said to her, I was like, what are you passionate about? And she was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm thinking you got, I would love for you to cultivate your passion because if you can do what you're passionate about as for your work, that I feel is like the, that's the penultimate. I, I don't disagree. I, it, it's tough too, because I think like I can empathize with, with your daughter when I was young. Like, I don't, I still kind of am figuring it out right. to be totally clear. Right? Like, yeah. I, I don't think there is okay. an answer, which is part of, right. Which may be part of the process itself, but certainly yeah. the fact that it's emphasized is important. Yeah, I think it is. And I think like she said, like, I, I might just go to community college. And I was like, great, do it. Your dad and I didn't, they, they but maybe, money, you, maybe you like it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know if there is a right answer. I don't even know how to advise like a child right now or a teenager. To, what do you do? What do you tell yeah. them to do? Like find your, find your, find your love. Yeah. 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 Really. 
truly. I think if we all did that, we'd, I know so many adults who are sitting in jobs that they make good money or they don't make good money or it doesn't even really matter, but many of them are, they're not happy. Yeah. They're not happy. And yeah. that's, that's tough to be, go to something every single day that you're not happy at. Yeah. One last question. What advice, any advice that you have to give either kids and or parents who might think that their kid is struggling with, because there's a lot of kids who are struggling. We have a lot of kids with eating disorders and social anxiety and inability to, to cope. I I would say, first of all, for, for parents, I mean, if the, the best ways I think to support a kid who in many ways can be stubborn. And I fully look at myself in the past this way, right. As someone who's just stuck in my, I know it all. I'm super smart, whatever. Right. Uh, certainly opening the conversation is helpful. Mm-hmm. Just planting the seeds of like, you know, even if it's casually talking to your partner or maybe your, your a friend who's over while the child is around about mental health, very openly, no right. stigma, nothing. Just no, like, you know, you know, sitting down and having the big conversation. No, I think that's like, what I don't like. Hey, Michelle, how was your anxiety last weekend? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It was pretty bad. How about you? Just like, like just make yeah. it as neutral as possible. Right. I think yeah. that's automatically helpful. Of course, pushing education is important. So if, if they can provide resources to their child for like, here's here's like, you know, yeah. headspace subscription or let's do meditation together. Right. Like those are all great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other big thing that I would tell folks, especially parents is, please, please, please be careful with judging yourself for anything that is sort of going awry with your kids. And yeah. I've seen this with my own parents watching my story unfold, how deep the self-judgment is in, in, in sort of being a parent. And I, listen, I can't empathize, obviously, again, because I'm not a parent, but yeah. I can still try to tell you as a friend, like, there are so many things that are out of the parents' control. Yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. for parents to blame themselves for some of the stuff even, even like any of it, arguably, any right of it. Now. I mean, I think I mean, even if you think kid- that you can blame yourself for the fact that Instagram is like pushing, you know, <laughs> not emotionally healthy things to like your adolescent screen. Like that's not your fault. Like this, this world is very, very complicated. Yeah. And I don't think the self-judgment from parents uh, on, on themselves is, is, is serving a valuable purpose at all. No, because I think it just makes parents feel worse and guilty. And then it traps them in a cycle of like, I failed and it doesn't motivate them or inspire them to like, let me just like take what this is and, and run with it, which I think is what we really need to do. Yeah. Or, the, and I like that idea. And I like the idea of like, it pushes them to do things that they don't really want to, or feel that are, are good for their kids, but they end up doing it just because they're, they're judging themselves. So they act, yep. they're not thinking when they're acting. That's right. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. so true. We could say that for a kid, a three-year-old who hits his brother. Sometimes parents want to, you know, blame themselves that, that, that behavior happened, that somehow they've done something wrong, that they failed or whatever. And I think that it's ridiculous. It's, it's hard to be a parent. Just wait, Julian does wait. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I fully, you'll, I will be, be telling myself the same thing. I'm going to be blaming yeah. myself every minute of every day. I but already you know it, you'll but be, I will still say on, on this show, yes. damn it, like, don't, don't do it. Yeah. You know, me too. I would, I, I would I hope do. that everyone tells me the same thing back because I think yeah. all of us need less of that. Seriously. It, Truly, but I mean, when my daughter said I want to go to community college, there was a tinge of me. I was like, "We have to go to four-year university." I mean, that's what we do, right? And but I, I had to catch myself and say to myself, like, "Don't judge her. This is yeah. not you. Just because yeah. you can't put it on Instagram or Facebook that your daughter's going to NYU doesn't mean that you're you've failed or something's wrong." But I think we live in that society too. Like, how can I show myself as being successful? How can I have accolades through my kids? Yeah. And I, that's, it's, I, I fully agree. I wish people would talk more about stories like mine. 
so that parents don't necessarily think that it's bragging, <laughs> you know, as weird as that yeah. is just simply because it's great and I'm proud of them accomplishing X, Y, Z, but you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes and you have no idea what's going to happen in the end. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Nor should <laughs> any of us really, nor should any of us really care. Our kids right. healthy and happy and doing That's well. Right. That's all that really matters deep down. That's right. That's right. I don't think social media is helping this way, by the way. Well, you know, there's there's the kids generation with like looking good and whatnot, but there's also the parents generation of like, look at my kids. (laughs) Every, every generation has their own sort of social media toxicity. (laughs) But like, listen, if you weren't on social media, I wouldn't have found you. Lots of people find me and are able to find some, you know, solace in not having to pressure themselves so much. So I think there's, there are some good aspects. We have to be discerning. We have to be really discerning. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Julian, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I know parents will be gleaning lots of good little nuggets from it. And um, thanks for doing what you do. Yeah, listen, no problem, Michelle. And, and for folks out there, by the way, just uh, as a shameless plug, and yep. I'll, I'll send Michelle this link, we have a Discord community of just, it's basically a group chat. If you want to just jump in and just talk to like-minded folks about mental health or share it with your kids too, uh, the more the merrier. We're just trying to create a space where people can talk about it openly and share resources and whatnot. So Amazing. And people can you find that. you on Instagram and TikTok. Are you the same handle everywhere? It's Yeah, it's just my name, Julian Serafian. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all of them. Julian Serafian. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll give uh, Michelle the link. Okay, we'll put it all in the show notes. Awesome. Okay, thanks for joining us on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'll see you guys next time. 